get to reading, Nolan, and again, always appreciate the, op- excuse me, the opportunity that we have to come together to worship and to study God. Appreciate the song leaders and guys' selection of the songs for this morning. Trying to remind us of what we have in God and in Christ. The hope that's been given to us, the promise that we have been given, the strength that is ours to live here and to trust him into our eternal life. We're saying, I believe in Jesus. And as you recall the song and the various incidents that are mentioned of what we believe, one being that we believe that he raised Lazarus, if we believe in Jesus and what he's done for us, what he's done in life, human life, then we must believe that he indeed does work in our life. That he can, that he does, and that he will make the changes that are necessary for us to be able to move from where we are currently to where we desire to be eternally. Looking at the verses just before the reading this morning, out of Second Peter chapter 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtain a like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of that divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Again, reread that. Think about what he's talking about, what he's saying to us as Christians. That we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. He has promised us that he will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us, He has promised us that he will always be with us and that he will not allow anything to overwhelm us, but with every temptation will indeed provide a way of escape. That wonderful grace of Jesus, what he desires for us, 
what he's willing to do with us, the changes that he makes within our lives. And the hope that he holds out to us for that eternal life one day. We are to grow. We are expected to grow. As we do physically, we are expected to grow. We're to grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what's being asked of us. And as it's being asked of us, as we look at what we will call the Christian graces, we are reminded that we do not, we cannot develop these graces on our own. They're not ours. They're what God gives to us. And as he does, it does indeed change the life we live. And how God in that marvelous grace of his has chosen to work is beyond our comprehension. How he's worked down through human history. How he's always kept his plan before a man. How he's always reminded man or man been reminded that God does exist. It's amazing how the world ignores what the Bible says. Even more amazing is how those who claim to have a knowledge of God also ignore what the Bible has to say. Paul reminds us of that marvelous grace of God particularly if you will, as we read Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. Verse 20, the heavens declare the glory of God. They declare to us that God is. It's a marvel. I mean, it's a marvelous thing to even think about. This world that God has created for us and maintained for us. But it does show that God does exist. And those in the world will choose to ignore it, to suppress it, to deny it, to say that it is not there. But Paul says they are without excuse. And again, I've always found it sad to read down through Romans 1, uh, 20 through 26, 28, to see that three times... It is mentioned that God gave them up. He provided. He sustains. He continues to bless. He continues to demonstrate his love and his mercy and his grace. And mankind chooses to ignore, to reject, to deny. And God gave them up to their own desires. He reminds us in Romans 2 that even those whom he loved, those whom he had chosen, those who he has blessed and delivered, also did not serve him from their heart. While we hit the Romans 3, he reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's where that marvelous grace begins to come in. All have sinned 
no exception. All have fallen short of the glory of God, no exception. And then he continues to unfold that grace of his. As you look at those Christian graces, they are interdependent upon each other. Often been said that they are like stepping stones as you progress up and develop and grow. If you're having problems with one, oftentimes what you need to do is to go back to the one that precedes it and see what's being stated there. Our problem is we want to start with the last one, which is love. Find it hard to do and hard to, do, to develop, and so we quit. It's hard to love individuals at times. Well, we've missed all of the stepping stones in between. And when you do them in order, and as they grow in you, then the life indeed does change, and you see again that marvelous, marvelous grace of God that he allows us to change and to grow as he does. Briefly defined, first one is faith. But Paul reminds us in Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. You have to have the word of God to start with before you can even begin to grow in a knowledge of God and of his grace and his mercy, and what it is that he expects out of us, but more than what he expects out of us, how much he gives to us to do what he's asked us to do. We do not live the Christian life by our own strength and by our own might. The only way that we live the Christian life is with Christ. The only way that we live the Christian life with Christ is with the grace of God that he has provided for us. So we need to have faith. And if we have a problem with faith, then again, we need to go back to that Word of God. Spend time with God's Word. It takes a lifetime to comprehend it, and even then we don't really do. We just scratch the surface. How many passages of scriptures have we read over the years? And how many times as the years have unfolded have those scriptures taken on a deeper meaning because of what we've experienced, what we've gone through, reading and then having other passages click in. But it starts with the Word of God. To have this faith. God is. And God is a reward of those that diligently seek Him. He does reward. We have our concept of what we want reward to be. And that's what we would want to call that good life, a pleasant life here physically. And that's not what's promised. He's promised that he walk with us, that there are temptations that we will face, but we are assured by God where our faith comes in again that there's not a one of those temptations that is greater than what we can bear. And God has already provided the way of escape. Isn't that marvelous? You're going to face it. He tells you you're going to face it. He's reminding you that as you face it, it will not overcome you. And beyond that, not only will it not overcome you, there is a way of escape. 
I know a lot of you are not like some of us who are a little bit hard-headed and a little bit stubborn. And we need that verse, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 and following. We need that verse. I do not have to face every temptation head on. It may not be the time for me to strive to overcome it. And I may need to know where that escape route is. And as I've lived human life, I find out oftentimes the escape route is not going headlong into it. It's moving in the opposite direction. I do not have to face it right now. God has helped me along the way. And sometimes as I've faced it and looked at it, I need to go back and look at some scriptures. What is it that I'm dealing with? Why is it there? What can I do to overcome it? And seek God's help along the way. Faith is your conviction, your strong assurance of what you read in God's Word. Be absolutely convinced without a moment's hesitation. Be absolutely convinced without a doubt in your mind. God means exactly what he says in his word. And his word tells me that I, if I've obeyed the gospel, I am his child. And as his child, he has protection around me. What a blessing that is. I have security. How many times when we were children, physically, and we encountered problems along the way, where did we find safety? Usually at home. <laughs> Going home. Sometimes it was a run home. Because there was safety. God is there for us. We can run to him. And find that safety that we need. But it is a strong assurance that his word is our guide. It is our shield. It is our weapon. And he is with us each step that we take along the way. Add to you faith, virtue. Moral excellence, goodness. You do not have moral excellence or goodness without having faith in God. This doesn't happen. If you have that faith in God, then the moral excellence, the goodness is going to develop. You're going to see things differently. We live in a world that tells us all kinds of things that are good for us. Until five years down the road, and then they'll come out and say everything that you thought was good for you now causes cancer, and you are entitled to substantial reimbursement because of that. Well, that ought to tell you something in the first place. Everything that the world tells you is not true. It's just simply not true. Everything that the world says. We need this moral virtue in our life to find out there are things that are right and some things that are wrong. And God's Word lays those out for us. Gives us our responsibilities and our obligations. Gives us the strength that we need to be able to deal with those. If we will, again, but take the time. 
as we have grown in our virtue of what's right and wrong, we are to add knowledge, correct insight. It's only as we develop along the way, as we turn to God's words to begin with, as we develop faith and virtue, then we need this knowledge, proper insight, make right decisions. Everything that glitters is not gold. Everything that is said to be okay is not. We need to make some insights or some correct insights to what's going on. Be careful what is offered to you. Again, how many read all that fine print on any document that you come across before you sign on that dotted line? We had read recently about somebody reading all the fine print in there, and they said, have you read down this far in the fine print? Call this number. And to call the number, and they, they gave her $10,000. He said, most people don't read it. All they do is says, do you agree to it? Yep, sign your name, and on you go. Click your yes on the, on the web, and it's yours. But don't read all that fine print. But there was something to this read before you sign on the dotted line. Use some correct insight along the way. What is being offered? How is it being offered? Is it right? Is it proper? Does it harmonize with God's word? Is this the way God would want me to act and behave? Is this how he would want me to live my life? Am I willing to let his word guide me? With self, with knowledge comes that self-control. The right interpretation says, no. Self-discipline. If it was easy, it wouldn't be in here. Where it says, it's not easy, it's a little farther down the line. You got to do a lot of things before you get to what's this one called self-discipline. Just because you can does not mean you need to. Just because you think it right, it's right does not mean that it is. Just because you have the freedom does not, need you, does not mean you need to exercise it. Scriptures clearly remind that throughout, this, throughout this, the teachings of God's Word. There are some things that may be right within themselves, but if it bothers somebody else, Paul says, don't do it. If I'm going to offend a brother or sister in Christ, don't do it. It's not necessary. Well, I don't want to be controlled by the weakest brother or sister in Christ. Oh, come on. Do I not care enough for a soul to help a soul? To encourage a soul along the way? Take the time to talk, listen, find out what's involved, what's going on. And we are without God or God, allowing God to be in our life in the society that we live, we are controlled by others, are we not? That's why they got rules and regulations. Not everybody obeys them, but I understand that. But we have rules and regulations of what we can and what we cannot do. What is so difficult about, about allowing those who love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind to be a guideline in the life that I live? Why is that so hard? If you as a child of God are wanting or are trying to grow in Christ and you see me doing something that offends you or that bothers you and you wonder why I could do that, why am I 
going to insist. That's my right to do that. And you're just going to have to learn to get along with it. And not I'd be willing to give. Does it matter? Is it that important? Can I go to heaven without doing that? I mean, there's a lot of things that I can do that I could leave aside if that bothered and hurt somebody. I would prefer that you and I go to heaven together. And whatever it takes, are we willing to do? Whatever it takes, make those allowances, make those changes. Self-control. And add to your self-control, perseverance. How many of you want the perseverance to start with? Perseverance. The willingness to stick to it. Because everything that goes before it, you're going to need perseverance eventually. To stick with it. Stay with it. But it doesn't come naturally. It's a growth process. As we learn in a physical family and as we learn in the spiritual family, we learn as we learn each other. We learn some things we can do and some things we ought not to do. We learn to, excuse me, we learn to have the perseverance because when this life ends, our desire ought to be that each one of us that we see would have a home in heaven. So whatever I can do to help that be the case, let me be willing to do that. Let's persevere with each other. Let's work with each other. I know none of you ever had a bad day. And in that bad day, you just got grumpy. Can we not persevere? Can we not encourage and that we beseech help along the way? And unto perseverance, you add godliness. Godliness doesn't come naturally. It ought to. God made us. But it doesn't because we listened to another voice for so long. But it does come. Godliness. Be godlike. I'm a child of God. I'm to be like God. It's a lifelong process. We never grow into it fully. But that is our desire. And how is God? How long has God been patient with humanity? Oh, bring it down. How long has God been patient with you? I mean, how long has he been patient with you? How long has he allowed you to have that opportunity to grow and to change, to have stumbled and fallen and to be able to pick yourself up and to go again? Perseverance. Godliness. Be like God. Brotherly kindness. I think that ought to come naturally when we first start out as Christians. It doesn't always take place. Sometimes it takes brothers and sisters a while to get along with each other. And sometimes when large families get together, it's always interesting to talk about things you did. Things you did to agitate one another when you were younger. But you persevered. And you find out family's pretty good. Spiritual family is pretty good. It's a blessing. Brotherly kindness. 
And then, then we get to the last one. Then you get to add love. Active goodwill towards others that are in need. Active goodwill. Love. God loved us. Active goodwill. He sent his only begotten son. Jesus so loved us. Active goodwill that he gave his life on the cross for our sins. We are to love one another. Our brothers and sisters. Active goodwill. Do good to those. Encourage your brothers and sisters. Act of goodwill towards those who are enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. You show the nature of God. Because, see, God showed his love towards you when you were yet an enemy of his and gave you that opportunity to become a child and do that with others as well. Spend that time. And we must learn to abound in these graces. There is no limit to any of these graces. You can develop them as much as you want within your life. And I promise you, regardless of how much you develop them in your life, you will never exhaust them. Never exhaust them. There will always be room for more. And that indeed does change the life that we we live. God so loved us that he gave. We so love him that we give. We give him our life. We give him our whole being. Love him with all our heart, our soul, and our mind, and with all of our strength. These are the graces that we need to grow in. That marvelous grace of God is demonstrated. And the question is, is it being demonstrated in your life? And is your life a reflection of that marvelous grace of God? God in his grace and in his mercy always allows us time and opportunity in which to make changes. He's patient. Will give us time to change our life. Prayerfully we can change our life for the good, for the service of God, before indeed it is everlasting too late. So as you look at your life this morning, is it where it ought to be? Is it a grown reflection of God and his love for you? Or is there a need to make a change? An attitude adjustment? Change in characteristics? And if there is, if there's any way that we could help you or that we could assist you in that decision, we would bid you to come as together we stand and sing.